Hello and welcome to the newest episode of Field Days. My name is Noah Nagy and I'm joined by co-host Greg Straub. Today we are in the city of Jackson at the Jackson City Police Department where we will begin a five-part series discussing prescription drugs, heroin, and the negative effects it has on the communities throughout the state of Michigan. Over the next five shows we will discuss with law enforcement, prosecutors, judges, MDOC staff, and community members how it has affected their areas, how they have been impacted, what they are doing to slow it down, and how they are coming together as one team to fight this problem. Some of the questions we hope to answer over the next five shows will be what type of prescription drugs are being abused, what are the legal consequences, who abuses prescription drugs and heroin, what are the access points, what are some of the local resources for addressing drug abuse. But before we get to all that, on the last episode of Field Days, we had 10 potential new models for the Michigan Department of Corrections, and now we have a winner. Greg, and you had the opportunity, you and Deputy Director Marlin and several others had the opportunity to celebrate the new model with the person who made that suggestion. But before we get to that, Noah, if you remember, you brought the last podcast, we brought this up, right? Do you remember what you said? Which one did you vote for? Committed to success. Right? Which one did I vote for? I believe you want, You might have... The, the Woody but, model? <laughs> yeah, I just, I just wanted to point that out to yeah, you, Noah. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, yes, I well, voted for the Woody model. And the Woody model came from Macomb Probation Agent April Griffin, as you That's know. That's right, yeah. And yes, we did. Def- Deputy Director Marlon and I went down to uh, Macomb Probation a few weeks ago, and they threw a pretty good party down there. They had, I saw that. They I saw a lot of pictures. They, got, they had two cakes, and, and you saw the, the picture frame. I did. That had her name on it, the motto put into it, yeah. and the director and her were in the picture. So it was nice to see. Uh, April's pretty happy about that. It couldn't happen to a better person. And you know what? Later on in the show, we'll, why don't you talk to April? Right. And we'll get we'll, we'll, we'll talk to her and see what went into her putting that motto in. And So I'm looking forward to that. Well, I'm sure that's a pretty cool feeling to, to be the person who suggested the motto for the Michigan Department of Corrections. Something that's on every document that we send out and something that, you know, we're kind of living by on a daily basis. And, and that's what, uh, you know, from this point forward, that, that will be our goal. That is. And, uh, you know, the deputy director said, actually, he said to her, this is a very big thing. So, then that's why, because it's on every document we send out. So, it's exciting. It's yeah, exciting I'm, to I'm happy. Away. Yeah, I'm happy for April. I'm, I'm sure that she's ecstatic, and uh, great job by April. Let's get down to, let's get down to business here, Noah. We're, we're talking about a serious topic. Uh, we're kind of shifting our podcast to, you know, we've went, we've been a few podcasts where we talked to staff and got to know staff a little bit. They've told some good stories. But I think it's time now to step it up a notch and, and talk about some serious stuff that, um, that are, that's affecting not only the Department of Corrections, but it's affecting a lot of communities across the state. No question. Uh, and that's heroin use, so... Nope. And you remember last year at the Supervisors Conference, uh, we kind of, as we're out looking for speakers, we Jackson County, Jackson Monroe County, and I know, and I'm not, a lot of counties are throughout the state, but Jackson Monroe County have been heavily involved in developing teams to form summits and heroin summits and prescription drugs and trying to, to they've seen a rise in the communities and they're trying to combat that, uh, you know, fight that battle against the, the usage of that. And in December of last year, uh, December actually been been December of 2014, we had an opportunity to attend the uh, Jackson Heroin Summit. And yep. you had law, local law enforcement, you had prosecutors, you had judges, you had a lot of our MDOC staff, you had a lot of community members, uh, folks from local schools coming to learn about the problem and just the questions I had mentioned here in the opening and try to answer those questions and then put a plan together as a community, uh, as one team of a community and move forward. So, well, and I know Jackson's leading the way in, in, in some of this stuff, so it's good to talk about it. They, they are, and, and you know, over the next five weeks we're going to 
Now today we have law enforcement uh, piece of it, but moving forward we're going to have a prosecutor and judge and, and some of our own MDOC staff as well as some community members talking about how they've been affected by it and how, how they're going to overcome that. So yeah, so to everyone listening, make sure you tune in because the next few episodes of Field Days is going to be a series. Uh, and so make sure you continue to tune in to Field Days to hear the whole story because it's going to take a few weeks to tell the story. So make sure you keep tuning in to that. We're very honored to have two individuals from the Jackson City Police Department here today. Our first guest is the Deputy Chief of the Jackson City Police Department, Elmer Hitt. Elmer has been with the police, Jackson City Police since 1996 where he hired him as a cadet before becoming a police officer in 97. He made it to Sergeant in 2005 and Lieutenant in 2010. His current position of Deputy Chief he's been in since the fall of 2015. And our second guest is Lieutenant Christopher Simpson. Chris has been with the with the Jackson City Police Department since 1991, also as a cadet, before becoming an officer in 92, 1992, promoted to sergeant in 2002, and, and lieutenant in 2008, where he's currently assigned, excuse me, currently assigned as a patrol operations commander. He also served in the United States Army and is an Operation Iraqi Freedom War Veteran. Chris and, and Elmer, welcome to the show. Appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. It's, for, it's great to be here. And thanks for your service there, Mr. Simpson. Thank you. Just retired last March. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So today, as we mentioned in the open, uh, opening, Greg, uh, you know, we're, we're focusing on prescription drug abuse, heroin, yep. uh, and, and, the over, and the overdose problem and, and the usage problem in, in local communities. And, and Jackson, obviously, is one that's is faced with that. And as we mentioned in the beginning, you know, Elmer and Chris have been heavily involved in in working with all the parties, uh, prosecutors, judges, you know, our staff and the MDOC, and, and really trying to identify the issue and where the issue is and, and how to prevent that. And Elmer, what would you say, uh, I mean, why are we focusing so much on prescription drugs and heroin usage? Well, I think to start out with, you no, know, is, is just to talk about the availability of uh, opiate prescription drugs uh, pills, yeah, not only in Jackson County, but really across the nation. Um, one thing we've done as a department, and I'll let Chris touch it on, on a little bit, is um, we implemented a prescription drug drop-off here in the in the lobby of the police department. If I, if I recall correctly, we I believe we were the first one in the county to do that, and we've had it a couple of years now. Chris was actually the one that spearheaded that effort. So um, it, it's just one thing we've done to, to try to combat the availability mm -hmm. of, of prescription pills that are out there, specifically um, opiates. So Chris could probably touch a little more on how that how that whole thing came about. The yes, we, we actually collaborated with the Jackson County Substance Abuse Coalition, um, and we came up with the idea of trying to get a permanent prescription box inside of one of the departments in the county. Um, before we actually put our prescription box in, we did I want to say it was two a year that we did that was mostly led by the DEA and it was usually on a weekend you know one day out of this week um, or out of a week and where people brought their drugs in we saw how much prescription drugs that was brought in that we decided to you know try to get that permanent box and you know with a long, long endeavor we were actually able to do so with the blessing of the DEA out of Detroit um, putting the resources together to actually get the box Initially, we wanted to get a mailbox and decorate it and paint it to our fitting, um, but found out we actually had to go through uh, Washington, D.C. for that. So we were donated a box by one of the libraries 
and we put out pamphlets um, and as you can see as you enter our lobby um, it is very very observant as far as being visible um, bright yellow and heavy use out of it we're entering our fourth year right now and I would say you know anywhere close to about probably 300 pounds is what has been turned in to us which inevitably we take somewhere and have it destroyed um, so a, a very good preventative program that we started well that sounds like a good program because you know we interviewed some some of our staff remember it was Lisa Hendricks and yeah. Aaron Dungey down here and they talked about you know the Jackson County Drug Court and, and the Circuit Court here um, you know in the work that they're doing and you know, I said then I, it's 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 becoming a national problem because you see it in you've seen the presidential debates, you're seeing it um, on the news. This this heroin problem is, is 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 a national problem. It's not just in Jackson, but that that program's great. You know, some of the stats on this stuff: the heroin has increased across the U.S. Um, in both men and women, and of all income levels. No, right. and and um, they say the heroin has increased between 2002 and 2013. The rate of heroin-related overdose deaths nearly quadrupled. From more than 8,200 people in 2013. I mean, that's a that's a problem. Are you guys seeing those stats in Jackson? Yeah, if, if you look at our stats, I can't speak that far back sure. based on what you just gave, but um, no doubt we've the last few years we've seen a, a I would call it a drastic increase in the amount of uh, heroin overdoses sure. and also overdoses related to death. I, I can speak on behalf of last year. Um, we had 14 deaths in, in the city of Jackson uh, that we investigated, result, which we were able to show resulted from overdoses of, of heroin. Um, and I'm confident there's, there's more deaths that occurred out there within the city that uh, we just weren't, be able, be, weren't able to prove that right. the heroin is actually what caused the, yeah. the death. Now, now Elmer, the, correct me if I'm wrong, but the heroin is kind of a, a continuation of a, a problem of the prescription drugs, correct? And, yeah. and and guys getting their hands, or individuals getting their hands on the prescription drugs. And is that correct? Or? Yeah, and, that, and that's what's talked about a lot is, is the availability of the opiates, per, pills, prescriptions. Mm -hmm. And you'll talk to addicts. Um, I just watched a special on 60 Minutes that was on the other night. And research is showing that effects that the, the opiates have um, in the addictiveness of nature of the mm -hmm. drug. It causes them to, to need more and, and what we see a lot of times in talking with the addicts they start on the pills and increasingly they need more to, to get the high that they're looking for to make them feel the way this makes them feel quite often the pills become too expensive right so they turn to uh, the street for heroin which they can get as high as they they need to get for a, a lower price and that's what they're that's what they're doing now, Chris, where's this coming from? Where, where, how do they get their hands on all of this? You know, there, there are so many outlets of controlled substances in the United States. I mean, you can paint a paint a brush across any city just about where controlled substance is available. Um, so there's there's many outlets as far as how people bring drugs in. Now, we know that drugs come as far as Afghanistan, especially with heroin. Uh, has to be shipped here. Obviously, you have your your regional imports of maybe Chicago, Detroit, and from there, it starts to become more local inside of the municipalities, counties, uh, throughout the state. Um, and with that, it, it's very transient. It may have a drug house at a certain location in one week, and it may move to another location in a, in, in a different week. So it's it's hard to chase, and 
you know, law enforcement has a piece of that pie to pursue it. Uh, we do that through our enforcement efforts or endeavors to patrol our detective bureau investigations, but more or less our, our drug units, JNET, a concept team put forth by the state uh, to help chase it. So we chase locally, JNET can take it to a different level where we have not just street levels, but mid-level and higher end uh, distributors of heroin. I mean, there's no specific location. I wish it was that easy if we had specific location because we could pretty much put our, our hands around sure. it. Yeah, it seems to be, it definitely seems to be growing, that's for sure. It's not It's not shrinking and it's, and it's getting in more communities and more communities and more communities. Like I said, it's now it's men and women of all incomes. It's not, you know, you just think of a drug addict as a drug addict on the street. True. and um, It's not that anymore. A drug addict, you know, could be something in high school. It could be, it, it, it's, it's expanding. And, you know, 85% of the people, 85% of the 2.3 million people in prison right now have a substance abuse problem. 85% of those people have a substance abuse problem. This is this is what we struggle with in, in corrections is, you know, a majority of the people that we have coming out of prison onto parole, a majority of the people on probation have a substance abuse problem. Right. And, and with our, our director's philosophy and our deputy director's philosophy is, you know, we don't want to just lock these people up because it's, we're, not, we're not helping them. Uh, it's, a, it's a problem. You're, you have an addiction and we want to help you pass that addiction so you can be successful later on in your life. The drug problem is causing the crime problem, um, and, if, and I think if we can get to the drug problem, um, it will it will help reduce the crime problem. And you know, we we're, we're focused on treating this addiction. We're gonna we're we're looking at doing things in the Department of Corrections to focus just on heroin, to focus just on um, you know methamphetamines, the, the drugs that are, are are driving the crime and are, are killing people. I mean, they're they're dying on this drug. So I guess my question to both of you would be, what can what can we as a department do to help you help combat this problem and not only Jackson but you know we can use this across the same philosophy across every every county in, in Michigan. One thing we're doing right now in these podcasts I think getting the message out from law enforcement from uh, MDOC of how serious of a problem this is and getting the message to our our homes and our communities the simple things you can do to try to do your part in, in eliminating the, the amount of prescription opiates that are out there one thing you hit on is the crime problem. That's one thing we know is a lot of our crime, our, our larcenies, yeah. uh, our burglaries, our armed robberies, Assaults. often related to, to uh, drug addicts right. needing money right. to, mm-hmm. to support sure. their habit. It's one of the scariest parts of the problem, I think, is, is people who are addicted to heroin will do anything they have to to, to get the fix that they need. to. Right to solve the way they're feeling right now. One thing is is collaboration. As you mentioned earlier, I've been here since 91. In my early years, you know, the police did what the police did, corrections did what corrections did, Mm -hmm. the courts did what they do. And as you can see from the drug summit, how many people were at that table? Because this, this need is needed of collaboration, sharing of information, coming up together with task force to try to get rid of, or, or at least, I won't say get rid of, but thwart the need mm-hmm. of this drug, because supply is gonna be there. I mean, the, the basic Econ 101, there's supply and demand. Sure. If you can stop the demand, I mean, I think we'll have more of a winning chance to do so. So, strong collaborations with the Department of Corrections, working on pieces together, such as this, information sharing about people involved in the controlled substance game, mainly heroin. Yeah, and Chris, you mentioned the, the Jackson Drug Summit. You know, having been able to attend, the barriers were down. I mean, it, for for the Jackson City Police Department to fight this, it's a resource drain. You know, you don't have enough resources to do it alone. 
for the Department of Corrections, we don't have enough resources for them. You know, the prosecutor's office, judges, you know, we can't all, we're all, we're all a piece of the, the puzzle in, in trying to combat this. And, and I think, uh, you know, your, your willingness to, to work with all the other agencies, other law enforcement agencies, our, our willingness to do the same uh, definitely is a start in the right direction. Uh, what are some some of the plans, uh, you know, coming out, what are some of the plans moving in the future, uh, Elmer, as far as, uh, you know, some things in addition to collaboration, what are some other things that uh, the community, uh, you know, prosecutors, judges, everybody working together can do uh, moving forward to, you know, at least begin to fight this battle? Well, I think we just need to remain steadfast and focused mm -hmm. on the problem. Not think too broadly, but narrow the scope of mm -hmm. what what can we do at the local level to to help our community. Stay involved in the, several people are at the table at the drug summit. There's quarterly meetings. Stay involved in those. I mean, set some solid goals and, and work towards them. One thing you you also need to concentrate. We need to concentrate on at least from our organization standpoint, at least being able to be somewhat of a visionary for where this problem may take us, and. Uh, outside of collaboration with your department, collaborating with other uh, human human services, services yeah. thank you, human services where we can educate um, young kids, uh, young youth who are on the fence, who maybe have had marijuana but thinking about going to some of these farm parties where they're popping pills and letting them know the effects of what could be next, what could be down the road. And then the other piece is, of course, treatment. Uh, treatment for those who are addicted to it. Um, no longer having a revolving door of them coming in and out of our cars to your doors um, and through the courts, but having a piece where the drug court can administer programs to try to get them off of this drug and then you know they can kind of become a hero of success and, and preach their words as well. That's very well said because I know that's, that's one of our director's focuses right now is to help at the front end. So that would be the drug course, that would be the probation, that would be before they get into our prison system to do exactly what you said. Use the drug courts, use the collaboration with you guys to help them at the front end before it gets to be a revolving door. Because I think that's going to have a, a huge lasting effect on this problem, uh, hopefully. And, and I know our director has the same focus as you guys, so I appreciate you saying that. Thank you very much. This has definitely been informative. Uh, we can't uh, thank uh, Elmer and Chris enough for, for joining us today, taking Absolutely. time out of their day to, to spend some time with us, sharing everything they've done and, and some of the challenges that we're definitely faced moving forward. And Elmer and Chris, again, thank you for joining us. Is there anything Welcome. else you would uh, like to get out before uh, we sign off? Just a final thought that I sat here thinking about is it's quite often asked what does a typical heroin addict look like? Uh, people need to understand it. it's spread across all classes, right. poverty, middle class, the wealthy. Uh, it affects everyone. So. Those with children, I just encourage you to pay attention to your kids, especially to get to that, that high school age. Know what they're doing. I've heard too many testimonials of addicts that start in high school taking pills, and it leads to a heroin addiction. So it could impact you and your family, and it, it's important that everybody take a role in this. And in closing, before I turn it over to Chris, just want to thank the MBOC for uh, having us at the table today. Great, thank you. I just ask that people out there become a community champion or family champion. Um, like Deputy Chief Head said, this does not discriminate against anyone. Effects of heroin or becoming an addict. We all have family members or friends that we know who are addicted. 
and sometimes we turn a blind eye to them because they're a, a distant relative or a friend. Be that champion, get them help. Um, they may have not rotated through the doors of correction or the police department, but have rotated through the family and getting into family issues and having family problems. Get them help. There is private help centers out there as well that can help um, get off the, the drug, the being an addict. Um, Allegiance Hospital, for one, has a tremendous program that people can um, go to to get help. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, well said. Yeah. Well, very well said. Thank you, Elmer Chris. And, and that's right, you know, you know, something as simple as a high school athlete gets a knee injury and has to have surgery and gets painkillers and then it all snowballs. And, you know, it's hard, you know, we all get into that. Uh, we picture what it looks like in it. There, and like Elmer said, there is no picture. And, and, and like Chris was just saying, it could be a family member. And one of the hardest things to do is challenge a family member, uh, you know, when, when you love them so much. So, you know, this is, this is greater than Jackson City Police. This is greater than Michigan Department of Corrections. This is, a, you know, a, co a community, a county, a state, national issue that, uh, you know, it's, it's a step in the right direction. And we're definitely trying to uh, combat it, but it's, it's a work in progress and it's something that's going to have to be ongoing. And, and we're going to have to focus, like Elmer said, on our area, focus on our area, control what we can control, and then, you know, hopefully it expands from there. No, you guys, you're right, and um, you know it's a it's a serious topic to talk about, but it's an important topic to talk about because, you know, it, it affects a lot of people. You know, we we have an opportunity now, I think, to really uh, put a dent into this and really affect not only our recidivism rate in the Department of Corrections, but safer communities, and not only Jackson County again, like you said, nationally, uh, because it's driving a lot of crime. So it's uh, it's an important topic to discuss and. We, I, I, mean, I can't thank you on behalf of the director, the deputy director. Thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, you, you guys hit a home run. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. I know we talked about in the beginning of the podcast that we would talk with April Griffin from Macomb Probation. Uh, April submitted the winning Department of Corrections motto. April, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. Could you just briefly talk about kind of what your thought process was when you submitted the motto, kind of what went into that? Sure, yeah. So I really just wanted to submit something that I believed in and was a representation about how I feel about my job and the department. So I chose committed to protect, dedicated to success, because I feel like it really presented the connection between public safety and defender success, which is important for the department. So I kind of just hope that everyone throughout the department can connect with it on some level. Well, I think they can, and you know, there was over 550 people that submitted a, a motto, and so congratulations to you for winning that. Thank you. Um, thank you. Very exciting. I know everyone's excited in FOA because an FOA employee won, so congrats again, April, and thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, April. We appreciate that, and congratulations again on winning the competition for the motto. And Noah, you know what? That we, we recently sent out to staff, I think it was a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. to submit questions and we'll answer some questions. So just a reminder to make sure that everyone who's listening can submit questions through Twitter or to my email address and we'll get those, we'll talk to the deputy director about those or whoever the question is, is geared towards and we'll get those answered so we can come on here and uh, talk about them. Yeah. And I'm sure if somebody has a question, a lot more people will have the same question. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the questions and, and being able to provide that information out to staff uh, throughout the Department of Corrections. and. Looking forward to, to the next part of, of our series uh, where we're going to have an opportunity to uh, talk to the prosecutor from Monroe County. We're also going to talk to 
one of the circuit court judges here in, in Jackson County and then and then get get moving forward to talking with uh, some some of our supervisors yep. both in Monroe and Jackson so we got a lot of good stuff coming up as we That's move right. forward in, in this series and, and look forward to hearing from everybody and, and really kind of kind of putting all the pieces together and seeing how everybody's handling how, how we as the Department of Corrections can do it handle it handle this issue moving forward right. so there's a lot of information to come so make sure to uh, tune in yeah, stay tuned stay tuned um, well, no, as we always say, you can learn more about this podcast. You can learn more about what's going on in FOA by following Twitter. You can follow FOA and the Deputy Director at MDOC FOA. If you want to know more about the department as a whole, you can like the department's Facebook page. Yeah, just make sure you submit your questions because I think it's going to be fun to, you know, come on here and, and get the Deputy Director's take on questions. Yeah, it will be. It will be. And Elmer and Chris and Greg, remember one thing. Go Team FOA.